I confess, I met my mother-in-law for the first time uh, 14 years ago with my eyelashes stuck together with jizz (laughs) (laughs) from a roadhead incident (laughs) gone awry on the way up to meet her. I don't think she noticed. (laughs) She she noticed. She might have noticed. She just thought you had a really bad head cold. (laughs) Head cold. Come on. Whoa. You Uh do not normally have those kind of jokes. (laughs) Sadie Smythe, way to integrate the dad jokes. (laughs) I confess. I love the idea of having a male, male, female three-way but I feel super nervous about what to do with all those dicks. <laughs> Enjoy them, she Enjoy said. them, Enjoy yeah. Them. Great That's answer. Spectacular advice. Sex. Almost everybody does it, and almost nobody talks about it, except at Bedpost Confessions, a storytelling show based in Austin, Texas. Whether the stories are funny, informative, political, or completely personal, the anonymous confessions from the audience are the stars of every show. This month's episode features one of Bedpost Confessions' longest-running performers, Holly Lorca has performed on the Bedpost stage over 13 times over our nine-year run and has earned a fan-favorite title. Holly Lorca's story, Loose Change, is about a surprise gift that was given to her and that she gave herself. Holly is a writer, storyteller, and retired stand-up comedian who moonlights as an ICU nurse for fun. Her work has been featured on Dan Savage's Hot Mike podcast, as well as other national and local shows, and in the Bedpost Confessions anthology. Available on Amazon. And just a quick reminder that all Bedpost Storytelling productions are made accessible to the deaf audience members by the lovely interpreters from Soulumination. Holly and her longtime interpreter, Mandy, often end up sharing the spotlight because while the interpreters are there to serve the deaf, they enthrall the entire crowd with their beautiful expressions of American Sign Language. If you hear a roar of laughter and don't understand why, the interpreter may have stolen the show for a moment. Hi, friends. How's everybody doing? Yeah. You guys are the best audience. I say it every single time, but it's true. I get excited every time I get to come back and do this. My friend and partner, Mandy Chase Wolf. What's, what's with the wardrobe competition, Mandy? I'm the pretty one. I'm the pretty one. So every time I finish one of these, I go home and I think, I'm done, that's it, I have no more stories, and guess what? Shit keeps happening. So here's another one. 37 cents, one quarter, a dime, and two pennies. Loose change. What you might get back if you pay cash for a tall boy at the convenience store, or, I don't know, a tube of lipstick. 
Some coins that you drop into your right front pocket and walk around with. You might hear them jingle occasionally or feel them with your hand when you stick it in there, but mostly they're non-existent to you until you take off your pants at night and go to hang them up and the coins fall all over your closet floor. So you kick them into the corner because you never pick shit up if you're like me. (laughs) And your sweet girlfriend picks them up and puts them somewhere. 37 cents represents the hatred I felt about my body for my entire life. Just this thing I carried around in my pocket and would think about only occasionally, like if I needed to put on a bathing suit or had to get a mammogram or if I tried to buy the shirts I actually wanted at Nordstrom. That's when it would flare up the worst, but even then I just kicked it to the corner of my closet. This is what my body is. I can deal with it. I've been up here a bunch of times telling you about my dick and how pissed off I am that I didn't get one that I don't have to keep in the bedside table in a Taco Cabana bag. You should have been here for that story. Yes, that's been difficult, but that one really only bothers me during occasions of sex when I want to but can't have it the way I was meant to have it. I assure you, I'm not having sex all the time because I'm 48. (laughs) And at my house, we have HGTV. (laughs) And then there are the Little House on the Prairie reruns that I dig because I like seeing Laura Ingalls kick Nellie Olson's ass. So the part that really bothered me was what was going on up here. Only I didn't realize how much because it's just my everyday loose change, right? When I was 12 or 13, my mom gave me my first training bra because she said it was time for it. I wasn't very well endowed, but my mom had rules. It was a ratty beige hand-me-down from my sister who used it when she was eight or something because she really had some knockers. Every time I put it on, I felt stupid and humiliated and wondered what exactly this was helping me to train for. It certainly wasn't going to do anything for my softball game, Mom. I was not elated about the prospect of puberty like some of my friends, who would all giddily show each other their bras in the locker room and act like this was an exciting thing. Well, I hid in the corner behind an open locker door and got really fast at taking my shirt on and off. I was not excited. But, you know, you get used to stuff. I've seen people get used to not having an arm or having an allergy to every food they love. If you absolutely have to, if you have no choice about something, you can get used to some pretty heavy stuff and just keep moving forward. I kept moving forward and grew up and knew it was all wrong up here, but I sure as hell wasn't ready to say anything to anyone. Like, hey, this isn't right. I hate myself. Someone help me figure this out. Nope, I just kept going. My breasts weren't very big. It was the 80s, and luckily big baggy shirts were in. So I could at least hide a little. Then sports bras showed up, so big win! (laughs) That's how I lived for so long. 
Every time I looked at my body in the mirror, the thing I hated the most were my breasts. My father was really into bodybuilding when I was young, and his muscle magazines were all over the house. I take them into my room to turn the pages and stare and stare at how beautiful their male bodies were. Their chests were so nice. When I looked at myself in the mirror, even if I was in prime shape, I never once thought I looked good, not even okay, because my breasts were always there, looking back at me, ruining everything. Then God, in his way of completely fucking with me over and over, (laughs) decided that when I was 45, I should suddenly go through a second puberty. I grew the fullest, perkiest, most socially coveted breasts. I don't know if it was a change in my hormones or what, but thanks again, God. Imagine you are a middle-aged man. You go to bed one night and you're slightly okay with your body and everything is fine. In the morning, you wake up and suddenly you have the most tremendous rack. That could rival Phoebe Cates getting out of the pool in Fast Times at Richmond High. Yes, that incredible. I know what some of you people out there are thinking. Oh my God, I would not stop touching myself. But I assure you, it was the opposite of that. It was horrible, like my body decided to cross-dress even a little harder and probably wanted to try out for cheerleading. My girlfriend was super excited because Phoebe Kate's boobs were super hot. I still Google that shit sometimes just to look at her. I couldn't blame my girlfriend, but I was absolutely horrified. It was like seeing the clown from It looking at me from the sewer every day when I looked in the mirror. I grew even more uncomfortable. I stopped wanting my girlfriend to pay any attention to that part of my body because it felt alien to me. I started wearing a shirt during sex. I started buying smaller and smaller sports bras and even a binder to keep them down and hidden. But there was no way I could hide them anymore. Adios, size small shirt. My loose change got a lot louder in my pocket, and it just about covered my closet floor when I undressed, but I still kept just kicking it to the fucking corner and moving forward until I realized that I didn't have to. For those of you who don't know my story, eight years into my career as an ICU nurse at a small hospital here in town, a gender reassignment surgeon showed up to start performing transition surgeries for people, and I am now one of the main staff members who recovers them. All right. All right, God. Okay. These surgeries include top surgeries or double mastectomy chest masculinization. You would think that when Captain Gender Reassignment Surgeon showed up at my hospital to do top and bottom surgeries for trans folks, because even though God likes to fuck with me, he occasionally tosses me a bone, (laughs) that I would have jumped at the chance to make things right. Or maybe when I started seeing all these guys roll out of the OR with their beautiful, flat, masculine chests, 
or perhaps when they told me their top surgery day was the best day of their lives because suddenly these things that are seen by our society as if not sexy and at least overtly feminine were gone. Or maybe when my hospital started talking about covering these procedures for their employees. Nope. What made me realize I didn't have to was the day I'd been to the pool. I was sitting in the backyard with my girlfriend. fucking pants my bathing suit which consisted of these ridiculous board shorts coupled with some awkward sports bra slash bikini thing Covered by yet another ridiculous swim shirt. I look like a seven year old at Schlitterbahn. And I feel like an idiot. Pretty much the opposite of how these nice, confident people in their swimsuits get to walk around. Thank you. Back to the story. <laughs> like nothing happened. Uh, aside from the normal amounts of embarrassment and humiliation I have about how I look in this, like maybe how it is when I watch my girlfriend dance, I can see that it makes everyone around her uncomfortable and want to run away. <laughs> She's not a very good dancer. <laughs> I was pissed that my shorts were totally dry, but my boobs were still all wet and cold because they were covered by this stupid getup. And I complained loudly about it to my girlfriend. She responded, you're miserable. Why don't you just get top surgery? The surgeon is like your BFF for God's sakes. You have the golden ticket. And just like that, I realized I could do it. That I didn't have to live with my body the way it was anymore and suffer and kick that fucking change around and act like it didn't exist. My girlfriend, who had loved my breasts when they were available to her, who had accepted when they weren't and had taken some time to realize the extent of my hatred of them and maybe didn't understand how big a deal this was for me sometime, was the one who set me free. 
Within five minutes, I texted the surgeon and told him what I wanted to do, and his response was, fuck yeah. (laughs) Then I jokingly asked him if he could make a dick from titties. And he said, kind of like making a diamond out of two pieces of coal. Also, no. (laughs) The following is an explanation of the procedure, complete with complicated medical drawings. That's it. It takes years for people to get in to see this surgeon. That's how good he is, and that's how many miserable people there are in the world. Yet, by the grace of my circumstance, I had a surgery date scheduled by the next day. That week, my pre-op appointment consisted of me ambushing him in the staff lounge at work, shamelessly lifting my scrub top, tank top, and sports bra, and asking keyhole or mastectomy? He's like, no, Steve, you get the mastectomy. You're too big. And within two months, I'd had my surgery. Five days after surgery, I went for follow-up and could finally have my binder and my dressings removed to see my chest. You know when you have those really great moments in your life, like maybe when your children are born or when you discover that there's a search feature on your porn site? That really got him. (laughs) Where you can type in absolutely anything you want and find it. Well, this was better. My chest was finally correct. Even though my freshly removed, resized to that of a nickel, and replaced nipples looked like scabby pepperoni. I didn't care. I've had several of my trans patients tell me when they wake up from surgery and look down to see their new dicks for the first time that all of their dysphoria disappeared instantly. I certainly believed them, but I didn't really understand exactly what that must have felt like for them. It's cold in here. Until that Tuesday in the office, even though they have a really shitty, small, handheld mirror in there, and need to get a full length if they want to be legit. The second I saw my chest, all of my dysphoria was gone. In a puff of smoke and pepperoni, the 37 cents was gone, and it wasn't on the floor. It was in a trash can in the operating room. And now... Love you, Tony. And now I can't stop staring in the mirror and loving what I see. I have what I've always wanted.
than I expected. Than I could have imagined. Not just because they did an amazing job with me. No pressure, people that I see every day at work. But because it looks like a straight-up dude's chest. Right? I have one of those now. So I lied to you last year when I said I wasn't going to change my body at all because I was already a butterfly. Though it wasn't a lie, I just didn't know yet. Sometimes you don't realize the extent of what is living just beneath your surface, even when you hear it every day and see it staring back at you in the mirror. Sometimes you also don't realize that perhaps you have options to make yourself correct to stop all the hating. That's exactly what happened to me. I very suddenly stopped hating myself. I don't know what to do with this amount of happiness. I feel like someone just let me out of prison, and it's perfect weather out, and the birds are chirping and are happy to see me. And I just found a million dollars. And then Phoebe Cates gets out of a magical pool that's somehow located next to a correctional facility undoes her bikini top and says, Hello, Holly. And the best part is, I'm still a goddamn butterfly. Except now I don't have titties. And can flutter fucking faster. In a size small shirt from Nordstrom that's so sharp, it could cut a perfect part in your hair. I confess, why is it called a blowjob if all you do is suck? (laughs) I've always wondered that myself. I've always wondered that. I confess, there's something about a tall, slender, yet curvy, gorgeous woman with a huge dick hanging from between her legs that gets me really going. Smiley face, tongue hanging out. (laughs) Slobber. Slobber. All right. I confess, my girlfriend and I enjoy an unusual form of foreplay. We play cribbage, naked. (laughs) And I highly recommend it. (laughs) I confess, I am straight and love cock, but I will watch lesbian porn. Women know how to do it better. (laughs) Is that true about everything? Bed Post Confessions is recorded in front of a live audience at the North Door in Austin, Texas. To view upcoming show dates, submit your confession to us, or to snag an I Confess t-shirt, tote, or journal, visit bedpostconfessions.com. Follow Bed Post Confessions on Instagram and Facebook for more anonymous confessions, as well as snapshots of Bed Post Confessions performers and their stories as they take over our Instagram on Tuesdays. Links to all things Bedpost Confessions in our show notes. Bedpost Confessions is produced by myself, Sadie Smythe, and Miranda Wiley. And our podcast production team is Mariah Gossett, Mike Moody, and Permanent Record Studios. And don't forget you can confess with us online or in person. The 2020 show dates are now up on our website, so make sure to add them to your calendar if you live in Austin. 
Finally, just one quick ask. Most people find out about podcasts from their friends and family, so maybe share the Bedpost Confessions podcast with a friend or lover this week. Thanks for listening.